The Ambitious Mum Podcast. Different women, different lives, different ambitions. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and every week I'll be having honest conversations about ambition. We encourage the rest of the team to do this too, is that you be there for the most important parts. You know, do do whatever you need. If you're feeling like you haven't seen your kids, go off and do drop-off, like catch up tonight. You know, do whatever makes you happy because we know that if you're happy, you're more productive. Motherhood. I really hope this is a, is a feeling that other mums feel, that when you've got a day ahead of you and, and you scroll down your phone and you think, you know, who, who might be around? Who can I see today? And if you don't come up with anyone, then actually it, it really affects you. And everything in between. Loneliness does have an impact on your mental health and you are a happier person if you have connections if you get out and about we'll explore how their ambitions and careers have evolved while being a parent and i'll be digging deep acknowledging the taboos the sacrifices and the sheer grit and perseverance working mums don't talk about this feeling of loneliness when becoming a new mum is is a universal feeling i've loved that wave of awareness which i feel I hope it's not just because I'm in an echo chamber, but I feel like it's starting to get traction that we've got to be able to give parents a way to make it work for them. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get started with this week's podcast, I wanted to tell you about my new sponsor, Nanu. Those who know me know how much I value my sleep and my pillows are integral to this. The power of sleep should never be underestimated and with Nanu they are helping us with the most personalised sleep experience available. So if you're a pillow snob a bit like me, you'll know it has to be your own specific type to achieve the best night's sleep. And creating a Nanu pillow is so simple. You just go on their website, which is nanusleep.co.uk, and tailor make your perfect pillow according to your weight, height, favourite sleeping position and preferred softness. The information is then used in some magic pillow making algorithm, basically creating a personalised pillow just for you. And that's all for £35. Genius. And as parents, you know, life can be so busy and a good night's sleep is essential for our mental and physical well-being, ensuring we're on top form for our families as well as our careers. And sleep is that factor that can literally make or break our day, as well as protecting us from illness, stress and future disease. So if a personalised pillow sounds like your perfect option to a better quality sleep, um, have a look at nanusleep.co.uk or simply search Nano Sleep on all social media platforms. Hello everyone, welcome back to episode 9 of the Ambitious Mum podcast. I am your host, Kate Moore Youssef. Um, I hope you're all well, you've had a good week. Um, I have to apologise about my very nasally sounding voice. I am um, about day four into some horrendous flu-y type virus, um, which is not like me at all. Um, I'm not going to even say the word that begins with a C, but I know what everyone's thinking. I hope it's not that. I'm presuming it's not um, because I'm actually starting to feel a bit better this afternoon, despite um, the the croakiness of my voice. So I wanted to get this podcast out because I, about two days ago, thought, oh my God, how am I going to get this out for Thursday? But we, um, we've succeeded. And um, this week's guest is really interesting. I know I say that every week, but I, I love the diversity of speaking to all the different guests and what they bring and um, those nuggets of wisdom that just kind of come out when you're least expecting them. And we got quite a few of those off Katie Massey-Taylor, who is one half of the team behind Mush. And Mush is an app which connects new mums to each other. It's an amazing story how the two girls met each other. Um, and it's, it's actually on a TED talk, which is how I came across the app. Um, because I'm not a new mum anymore, this wasn't really on my radar. And to be honest, I wish um, it had been on my radar um, all those years ago of being a new mum when my eldest is well he's now 14 so that would have been 14 15 years ago what it's doing is connecting new mums to each other who may be feeling lonely or isolated 
they're helping new mums cope with um, all the things that um, a new baby brings. So whether it's um, body confidence, relationship issues, perinatal mental health problems, and they are bringing women together online and in real life. And um, they're making connections and creating communities that are essential to um, to our well-being when you're a, your first-time mum, even a second-time mum. So Katie talks to me about how they set up Mush, which is fascinating. We go into um, talking about our own personal journeys of, of uh, being a first-time mum. But also we talk about um, what it takes to, to start a business together with a friend um, who maybe you've just met and meeting like-minded people and growing a business and how a business evolves as well and what their hopes and plans are with Mush. And what's amazing is that they are co-collaborating with the NHS as well because for them um, perinatal mental health support is vital. So I hope you get a lot out of this podcast. So here is my conversation with Katie Massey-Taylor. I hope you enjoy. Thank you very much for having me. So we've got one half of Mush here. Um, The other half, Sarah, couldn't be here today. So you're going to be flying the flag for for the company and the story. um, And hopefully we'll, we'll hear lots of different angles as well. Um, and the reason why I, I came to you to to come on the podcast was because I actually saw your TED talk that you did together, um, which was really inspiring because um, I thought the story was fantastic. And it really kind of presented um, the reason why you set up the business and, and what the need was for, maybe from your, from a personal perspective. Could you give everybody just a bit of a snapshot of where you were before you set up the business and why you did it. Absolutely. Yeah, that TED Talk was certainly a career highlight. And we were just, it's so nice to have a forum where you can, as you say, tell the story. Um, And particularly in a TED Talk environment where you can do it with long, dramatic pauses. So yeah, so the, we were able to tell our story because it's so ingrained in what Mush is and and what Mush does. Sarah and I had both come from different backgrounds. We'd been uh, at work. I would have been from an equity derivatives broker, essentially on a trading floor. And Sarah had been in advertising. Now, we didn't know each other at all. And we had um, just had second babies. Um, and it was when the, those two babies were two weeks old. It was a November day, extremely rainy. I mean, nothing to do. One of those panic mornings when you think, what the hell am I going to do all day? I would like today, to be honest. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's quite sunny here, actually. Oh, it's mis- it couldn't be more miserable in Manchester. Carry on. No. Um, so we thought, both of us separately thought, well, we're going to have to go somewhere. We took under two-year-olds and two-week-olds to a playground. I mean, they can't even do anything in a playground, but we went anyway just to get some fresh air for ourselves. And, and that is when we first saw each other. And, um, and we, just, we just started chatting and realised, actually... Yeah, we needed to hang out a bit more. Uh, it's it's funny. I mean, we tell that story so often, I, and I I suppose I brush over it a bit, but I can't describe. And I I really hope this is a as a feeling that other mums feel that when you've got a day ahead of you and and you scroll down your phone, and you think, you know, who who might be around? Who can I see today? Um, and if and if you don't come up with anyone, then actually it's it's a really daunting kind of it, it really affects you anyway. So our friendship actually um, transformed that period of our lives. We'd hung out, hang out every day doing really boring things but together and, and felt totally so much better for it. Um, and it was three months after we met that we thought, why was our happiness during this, this really important time so dependent on a sort of serendipitous meeting in a playground? Shouldn't there be something that connects mums? Particularly then it was 2015, Tinder was at the height of its fame um and uh you know the technology existed and everyone had a smartphone so we thought let's let's essentially copy that um technology and and make it kind of a mum facing one where it's all about finding local friends and and that was how it started so where are you two both based so that was in southwest london um 
interestingly, um, I'd experienced exactly the same feeling when I'd gone to New York with just one baby. <clears throat> We'd gone out there for my husband's job um, and spent 18 months there and I had exactly the same problem. I, here I am alone in an apartment. Where do I go? How do I meet a bunch of mums with kids the same age so that we can make the day more interesting? Um, so I realized actually that whether you're in Southwest London, New York, both lovely places, of course, um, or you know anywhere else around the world, this this feeling of loneliness when becoming a new mum is is a universal feeling. Absolutely. I mean, I um, I had my first child at 25, which was really young, um, and you know my contemporaries, my friends, I had all moved to London and I stayed in Manchester and none of them were having kids. So I was back in Manchester after uni. Um, I'd got married at 23, had my first child at 25, didn't know anyone that was having kids. And this was back in 2005. And this was just as Facebook was kind of starting. There was no smartphones, there was no WhatsApp. And I remember being feeling lonely I remember feeling really disconnected really lonely um, there was the odd kind of play group that I kind of went to but there was no one I really connected with because I was younger um, a lot of people were much older than me you know moving back to Manchester after they sort of had their careers in London you know wanting to settle down and I, I desperately uh, remember feeling like why can't I meet someone that I um you know, I, I really gel with, and eventually I did, um, but it took a while, and you kind of end up being friendly with people that maybe you wouldn't be friendly with if you didn't have kids the same age, and that's what I love about Mush, is that you are kind of like profiling for people that you would be friendly with anyway, um, and then just so happen to have kids the same age. Would you agree? Is that kind of what you want to achieve? Look, we wanted to put everyone in a room together, essentially, and, and, and let you take your pick of, of the person you're going to get on with the most. But we do say that becoming a mum's quite a leveler. I mean, those deep connections, yes, you need a lot in common. You need to have the same values. You, want, you need to be doing the same things. On a superficial level, which actually, <laughs> a lot of the days, that can be enough, is if you're able to talk through, like, how crap your night was last night. Yes someone that's got a baby the same age, that the, the experiences you go through um, with small babies particularly are actually all the same. And um, so having someone just as a sounding board, just to compare notes with, um, can do the trick when it, when it comes to making you feel happy and more connected and um, all the stuff that makes you feel well and happy within yourself. So uh, yes, finding deep connections, I completely agree. Uh, there... They're hard to come by. Um, it wouldn't be, you know, you might have to friend 20 people on Mush to find that extra special one, of course. Um, yeah. I but, guess that's kind of what you found in, in Sarah, essentially, that you'd, you know, obviously kind of come across each other in the playground. You had this serendipitous moment of kind of like being there at the same time. And then you obviously had, you know, similar thoughts and mindset and you both come from quite sort of like a business background um mm. did you feel very lucky meeting each other that you you know you'd finally find that person that you can do nothing with I could yeah I mean so lucky our values at the time were were the same we had the same interests. we actually we loved to exercise so we'd find a way to you know maybe go on a little jog together with kids in double buggies and stuff we which which I wouldn't I think that's it's hard to come by. Um, but funny enough, I, I sometimes I reflected that a decade earlier, me and Sarah were in different, very different places, very different characters. Um, Can you tell you know, me I was, a bit more about that? Because I'm interested to, to know where you were way before Mush, maybe before kids, and maybe where you envisioned yourselves to be, um, I guess, after you'd had kids. Yeah, well, that's where I think, yeah, we're very different. So I was... Um, I loved school. I loved the environment of being, um, you know, good at stuff and being and and uh, people giving me a round of applause. <laughs> University. I went and studied Spanish. I think there was less of that at uni. You were kind of left to your own devices, and um, then was a bit lost. Actually, I'm going to be honest. I think for a decade of my career, I was I was really lost. I went into something that I was good at, which was, I was good at numbers, I was good at meeting people, 
Um, and I really wanted, my ambition at the time was to make money. So I went into the city where that was the environment. Um, I didn't have particular career aspirations. I didn't have a long-term goal. And I think that's why I struggled, um, you know, to ever feel fully satisfied. So that was my um, background. So it was um, seven years on a trading, trading floor. I genuinely, to this day, don't understand what I was trading. I really don't. They were just a load of numbers. I had to say them really fast. I had to jump, jump down a phone call to, to a client and tell them the numbers. And they sometimes traded in the middle. And if they traded in the middle, I made a bit of money. And it was a question of being the loudest and the most defiant and often, you know, the one that could swear the loudest. Um, and that was the, this kind of high octane environment that I was in. So parts of the job I quite enjoyed, but on the whole, there was no further purpose um, to, to what we were doing. And actually, I think the crash in 2011 was, um, it was when that whole, people started to open their eyes to what a seat, well, God, I've got to be careful. I know lots of people are in this industry and not all jobs in the city are seedy, but my one really did feel mm. like, was um, we were being paid for for shouting numbers at people. I mean, it just wasn't, there was nothing more to it. So that was my background. On the flip, um, Sarah was extremely um, thoughtful and, and about her career. And, and she went in a sort of grad scheme level at an advertising company and worked her way through the rungs. Worked so, so hard um, to get to sort of a head of new business role. Um, at a great advertising company and she she did see um her career you know on on the rise and, and an end goal I, I suppose it's sort of director level within one of those firms um i always was searching for something else so actually it was becoming i was getting married or getting engaged where um there was a moment i thought this is not sustainable i can't keep going out taking clients out for kind of these big party nights when uh, I've got a husband at home. It, was just, it just didn't sit well with me. And I think partly that's why there's so few women in that, in, in that environment. Yeah, I was going to say that. It sounds like a very masculine um, environment. There were three women on a 150-strong trading floor. So, yeah, it does give you wow. a sense um, of the environment. So I started looking for something else. And, it was, um, and, then I, and then I was going into lots of different businesses as a kind of helper, um, as a generalist, and inevitably being given the, the, the grunt work, you know, whether if it was, I did a stint in PR, so it was basically just trying to, trying to phone up all the journalists and get, you know, things in the papers. Um, I was doing, I sold French property for a while. God, I did so much. I um, worked as a new business um, person for another startup, which again, just meant picking up the phone and trying to be a bit ballsy about, um, you know, introducing the company. Um, the mo one of the most interesting was actually in New York, where I worked for this high-end matchmaking service. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, really, really interesting. So these people who um, had the money um, and wanted introductions that really were, uh, that were meaningful. So I, everyone had put money down. They put their money where their mouth is. It was yeah. a very interesting. What a great experience, though, because you sort of ditch your toe in quite a few different industries, which... I guess was kind of in retrospect helping you um, know when you you know you're setting up your business you've got to be all things don't you you've got to be um, you know when you're setting up on your own you've got to know how to do so many different jobs that you've never done before so you probably you were doing yourself a favour really you're absolutely right I yeah there is I've drawn on elements of every single job at some point or another and the matchmaking and the matchmaking. <laughs> But um, I think what they all have in common is that I was constantly searching. I was searching to be an expert in something so that I didn't need uh, to take orders from someone else. I think simply put, I wanted to do my own thing, um, but didn't feel like I'd become an expert in something. And then suddenly, you know, I didn't have to learn to be an expert at becoming a mum and having the feelings that I felt that that had all happened to me. Um, mm. And I understood it and I understood what would have made it better for me. So it was really simple. Um, and uh, I was just delighted to have something to run with. And I think that Sarah coming on and giving some, you know, she was, she was just slicker. I've had these, I had these ideas, but I wouldn't know how to put them in, into a deck or into a plan. And, and she was very good at structuring our thoughts. Anyway, we, we, we're such a great, 
was such a great combo. Yeah, and it definitely sounds like you, you know, you, you're playing to your strengths. Um, yeah. You know, you need that creative person and you need that person that's great with kind of putting structure in place. And, um, you know, and also to know that you can get on, you're both mums. Uh, it's a type of arrangement that people dream of. And yeah, because you do, you kind of think, well, if I'm now I've got kids and I want to work for myself and these ideas or these concepts don't just come to everybody. What, what made you think that this was going to work? What made you feel that the time was right, um, that women needed something like this? Oh, I just think we were very, very lucky with the timing. Um, it was the sort of thing that, there's one bit of advice for anyone that's setting up a business actually is that make sure you talk to everybody T tell people what your idea is this, i think people can get quite cagey about the, what their ideas is are in case someone you know goes ahead with it themselves but the fact is if you the more people you talk to the more you can get a steer of whether you're onto something so it's through with loads of different people friends parents um you know uh d d different audiences boys and girls, you know, and they would all say, surely something like that exists. And that was, I think, what gave us the confidence to carry on going because it was such an obvious thing. And sure enough, it has been such an obvious thing that three or four people have popped up uh, to try and do the same thing since we launched. So mm. I th it was a timing thing for sure. Um, and I think at the time I, I didn't have much to lose. Like it was a, I had to go and find the next thing in my career. I didn't have a job to go back to. It was a much bigger jump for Sarah to take because she was on maternity leave. I was actually just between, you know, all of these different projects. We just moved back to London from New York. And I, I, it was, I wanted to throw my all at something that I felt passionately about. So we were both at the start going to give it uh, six months to see yeah. whether we could get an action. And by that, I meant, you know, you, can't launch an app, unfortunately, unless you're a developer uh, without a bit of upfront capital. So we were giving ourselves six months to raise some money. And if we didn't, then that was that. And um, we could all carry on with our lives. And if we could, then uh, we, we would. Um, how many years ago was that now? So that was in 2015. Um, yeah, wow. November 2015 we met. No, hold on, 2014 we met. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And we, we got something out on the App Store, 8,060. Okay, so you've got the app and then you've also got the website, which I've had a really good nosy around. And I, I really love it. And I'm sort of going, going back to myself as, as a mum back in 2005 at the age of 25. And this would have just been my godsend. Um, I've, I've got four kids myself and my mm. eldest is 14 and my youngest is five. So... Throughout the, the years, I've seen, you know, different technology coming and, and, you know, how I've used it in different ways, um, you know, for looking for advice in the middle of the night, connecting with my friends. And you've sort of kind of created this platform for, of everything. And what I wanted to touch on a little bit was the, is the community side. And, and the loneliness, because that's what you, you talk about in your, in your TED talk. And I think it's not spoken about enough that if you haven't got that ready-made um, group of friends, say you, you know, you've, you've really pushed with your career and your career has been everything. And all of a sudden you find yourself um, pregnant, maybe in your late thirties and all, you know, you've got to suddenly find all these mummy friends. You are almost presenting everything on a plate for for someone like that to prevent the onset of loneliness to help give them a community and it's I think it's amazing what you're doing because it's quite deep-rooted as well you know from the mental health side and the perinatal side can you tell me a little bit about how you have I know I'm sort of jumping all over the place here but I know you've got connections with the NHS and where that came about it's funny we're still trying to find the absolute link between kind of depression and loneliness it's kind of one of those things that everyone assumes if you're lonely you're gonna have poor mental health because you've got no way of normalizing your feelings normalizing your thoughts uh, you can go into your, into yourself and you know they often come hand in hand um, but we've got to be careful not to be say that there's scientific evidence it's, it's a tricky one to, to make a connection anyway 
The point is that we were able to show that um, loneliness does have an impact on your mental health. So, um, and you are a happier person if you have connections, if you get out and about. So we're talking about connections online and offline, which is what um, Mush tries to do. Um, I think the really key ones is the, is the offline sort of meetups that Mush facilitates. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so, the, so the NHS realizes that they're doing a very good job of getting mums and babies out of hospital, you know, with hopefully with help, healthy newborns, um, but very little provision for them after that. And one in seven mums are experiencing depression. And a lot of the other mums are, are kind of not feeling like themselves or getting anxious. And the NHS aren't in a great position. You know, I mean, you've got your GP that you can go to. Um, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, they made it, uh, it's only now compulsory that there is a six to eight week check for new mums at your GP, which is a wonderful time um, to check in on their mental health. And in fact, that will be exactly the moment that, that Mush is signposted. So um, because, yeah, we, we offer a way for mums to get a community around them and, and, and feel better and feel supported and feel connected. So in fact, the other thing that we've done because of the NHS partnership is, is have an imperial study or do a deep, deep dive on, on how our app really helps people's mental health. And it's, it's all to do with a word called parity. If, if you're a mum and you're going through something and you're feeling crap about it, and you realize through Mush or through any platform that connects people that you're not the only one going through something, you are immediately lifted out of, of this anxiety that you're in. Absolutely. So really simple mechanism um, that having a peer support network of people going through the same thing as you will make you feel great. And it's, of course, not just mums that go through this. Like, There's plenty of support groups and community groups out there that support people in loads of different times in their life when, when they, you know, when they suffer from loneliness and, and or bereavement or any big change in your life, you need other people going through the same thing. Otherwise it, it all gets extremely complicated and twisted in your head and, and it's very hard to come back from. And it's, it's, you kind of don't realize, you know, especially in the middle of the night, you know, if you've been awake for two or three hours with a, a screaming child, um, you think that this is your know this is something that you're doing, there's something wrong with your your child. And that just that immediate relief of finding out that someone else has had just as bad a night as you um, is I, I, I see I just remember it so well. You know, those those walks and you know the endless walking and the drinking the coffee and the complaining and the talking about the teething. And it sounds such a simple concept, but when you are a new mum, you're sleep deprived you don't know what you're doing, you're second guessing everything, you know, you're doing. Just something like that, um, to know that you're not on your own, I think is, is priceless. And I think, it, you know, from a mental health perspective, um, must be doing wonders for, for so many new mums out there. Um, what kind of feedback are you getting now that you've got, um, you know, women all over the country meeting each other through your app? How, what, what kind of things are you hearing? It's the feedback emails that keep us keep us going. I must say, there's um, we did a shout out for, for friendships, you know, that were perhaps slightly interesting or, you know, not just your run of the mill. I messaged her, we're best mates. Although to be honest, that's wonderful to hear too. Um, and there's just there's there's such gratitude out there from people who have met lifelong friends. You know, the stories of um, mums being bridesmaids at each other's weddings because they've met on Mush. Or um, mums that met on Mush and then were holding hands whilst giving birth because, oh, you know, I mean, that, that sort of feedback is magical. And all we've done is give people a way to find each other. And, you know, I, the, all credit to, to, the, to the mums themselves. It's, it's, I'm just so pleased that we've, had a part to play in, in these life-changing, that's, that's a word that comes up a lot, like life-changing friendships. Um, so yeah, lovely feedback. Have you had um, any other women like yourselves meeting and, and starting businesses? We've had a few businesses. I haven't checked in on how they're going. Um, we even had a, we had a girl band as well, in Manchester in fact. <laughs> oh really? Wow. I don't know if they're still going. <laughs> I should check in with 
Um, yeah, really fun, really fun stuff. And we haven't formalized any of that as well. Like we kind of, I had this uh, vision that there was a way that you could find, you know, maybe you could set up these niche groups, certainly around, you know, I want to start a business, who else does? Or, I mean, maybe you'd have one for, I want to start a band, who else does? I mean, we could just like, this could be the new X factor. <laughs> Ambitious Mum Podcast. You know, on a lighter note, is that when you are that sleep deprived, the nonsense that you can spout, um, the, the conversations that you can have, and I can only imagine the, these girls who started a girl band just kind of thought, let's do it. And, and also, you know what, to have a hobby and to have something um, outside of, of being a mum and, and nappy changing and milk feeds and all of that is, it's so crucial to um, our well-being and our, our mental health. And I know it's hard to find a time to do anything outside, especially when you've, you know, you've got several children and you're working, but to have something fun like that is, is, is fantastic. And also going on, you know, from having a good look at your website, what I loved about it is the articles that had me laughing out loud. Um, really funny stuff that, um, again, you know, you don't read, you don't know about, or you don't talk about, um, you know, whether it's about your mother-in-law popping in unexpected or, you know, sex with your husband or, you know, you know, trying to find new clothes that you, you know, you, you wouldn't normally wear, anything like that. Um, I think you've really hit the nail on the head of, of what women are looking for. And um, I just, yeah, I wish, I wish I had it a few years ago, I have to say. So the articles have been a really important part of our story, I think, because it's, they've set a tone. Um, we could have been... Uh, we could have been very worthy, we could have been, and we 100% believe in our mission, but we want this to appeal to mums that aren't, you know, all just very sad and lonely. We want this to feel like it's for every mum. Equally, mm -hmm. we don't want to hide it with a medical angle because we want to be a place that you can trust that perhaps isn't, you know, you don't associate with um, you know, your, your doctor or midwife, you know, you're not being, you're not, being, you're not under scrutiny on us, you know, you're, you can be an open and, and safe place. Um, anyway, it's been a really nice uh, part of our story having those articles, and I have huge credit to our wonderful editor Isabel for that. Tell me, so how many people are on your team now? So we've got, um, we've always had a team in the Ukraine who do the actual development work, um, and they've been great. So, but they're an agency, so we don't have to um, employ them, as it were. We sort of pay them a retainer. Um, we've got an editor, community manager, um, marketing manager, uh, Sarah and I, and uh, we've got one token boy on the team who's kind of an operation product technology type, you know, pretty much dips in and out of everything. Um, there's been a lot of building of the app, you know, in, in terms of making it what it is today. We started, don't forget, as just a way to meet local mum friends. It was literally a, a way to scroll through a bunch of profiles, message them. And in fact, a lot of people then didn't use the app again. A lot of the development in the last few years has been about making something that mums love and stay stay on. Mm. Um, making it a bit more like Facebook, you know, you scroll through, you see posts, you see recommendations, you see stuff to buy, sell and swap, you see the articles, uh, you see polls, you see meetups. So it's something that mums dip into all the time and not just as this one-time transaction at the start of you know finding their mum friends so we've got to a really happy place now um and actually sort of feeling that for the first time that the product can can, can kind of lives in its own right you know without a permanent um i mean the product meetings that we used to have about you know how many bits of feedback have we had about what how do we prioritize this over that. There was a lot of that in the, in the last couple of years. And things have sort of steadied down. We're, we're all quite happy with where we've, where we've got. Do you want to see um, women who started with, with Mush and with newborn babies, do you want to kind of evolve with them as their kids get older? Do you want them to stay or is there a kind of like a graduation period of, you know, from a certain age child, you know, you no longer need the, the app? What, what are your plans for that? It was interesting, yeah, it appeals, some mums do stay on and they kind of become this, um, they kind of become the, the advice givers. So a lot, of, a lot of the time you get someone piping up saying, 
I went through this a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what I experienced or whatever. And, and that's wonderful to have. You kind of get this kind of mentor-mentee situation. Um, also, you have mums that come on and, and look at it from, I need to find friends now that I'm having my second or third kid. Um, so you, you get people dipping in and out. Of course, there's ways for us to provide real value to mums of, say, you know, a four-year-old or five-year-old. But when it comes into, when we could add things like childcare or uh, work finding or, or, you know, or work or job shares has been something that we've raised as, as an idea. But yeah. the point is, you know, if we stick to what we're good at, which is introducing mums to each other, uh, school tends to do that for you. When your kids start to go to school, that, that social network and that support system and community kicks in. Um, so that's what we find. Uh, that's why we find that there are less mums uh, coming on at that age, you know, with that age of kids. It's interesting because you do evolve and you can't quite see it at the time, but um, your needs change. Um, suddenly your time changes, you know, from when they're sleeping all the time to then you don't get asleep, you go back to work. Um, you don't then don't have time to see your friends during the week because you're so busy, you know, trying to work and juggle the childcare and the pickup and everything. And I think that's what's really nice is that maybe you've got the support at the beginning in real life um, because that is really important. That person to go and have a coffee with and go to the park with and go for a walk with. But then when your sort of time becomes, you know, much more limited, you've got that online resource as well. Um, and it is, and that's just life, isn't it? Because as your kids get older, things things change. Uh, how old are your kids now between the between the two of you? We've got six between us. Not quite as many as you, as in <laughs> we have three each, not four. But so I've got um, Tilly, who's seven, Lila, who's five, and then baby Maggie, who's still a baby. I think she'll be called baby Maggie until she's 20. <laughs> I love she's that. Um, and... So three lovely girls, and Sarah's got uh, Rosie, six, Leo, who's four, nearly five, and Noah, who's two. So we've got, you know, a good spread of kids. Um, you beat me to it on the third one, which was really, really outrageous. Um, I remember we talked about, I think we flipped a coin for it, because we, we had much in full swing at that point, and we knew someone needed to to hold the fort um, and we had to take it in turns and we literally flipped a coin about who was going to have a third baby first which was quite amusing I don't think our husbands ever knew that <laughs> I was going to ask you from a practical perspective you've got young kids um, mm. between the two of you you know you, you obviously have to rely on each other quite a bit trust each other and also learn to delegate to the rest of your team um, what you know, what, how do you do it practically with, with the kids? Do you work in an office or work from home? Yeah, so at the start, it was very much, you know, as long as me and Sarah could carve out three or four hours of the day without kids, then, you know, we could get a lot done. It's basically been um, at the point that you get a team that you need to have an office. So, yeah, we go into the office and um, it's become a proper job. It has become a proper job. It started, and, and, and so it should be, because we've you know, got external investment and we're, um, we've got shareholders and, and you know, we operate as a, as a proper, proper company. Um, in terms of managing kids and work, it became, we, we, as I say, it was pretty ad, ad hoc at the start, but the minute, uh, the minute we got some proper capital behind us and things were underway, we both got nannies, um, which we're very lucky to have. I think at the time it made the most economic sense rather than having two little ones in, in nurse, full-time nursery. So we've, it, it works very well. And the beauty of being um, at the helm or being founders, and but although we, we encourage the rest of the team to do this too, is that be there for the most important parts. You know, do, do whatever you need. If you're feeling like you haven't seen your kids, go off and do drop-off, like catch up tonight. It doesn't, it, you know, do whatever makes you happy because we know that if you're happy, you're more productive. Mm. I mean, it's cool stuff, but I've loved that wave of awareness, um, which I feel, I hope it's not just because I'm in an echo chamber, but I feel like it's starting to get traction that we've got to be able to give parents a way to make it work for them. Um, we get so much done if we're, when you've got your head down, you can get so much done in such a small amount of time. Um, and that's what I'd say to any parents that are trying to do anything as well. There's this sense that, 
okay, when the kids go off to school, I'll, I'll do something. Or when, um, I don't know, you kind of, you start, you keep putting it off when in fact you can, you can do so much in half an hour if they're having a nap. You know, it's just about picking up the phone, making a little bit of progress here and there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in advice. I think that's great advice because um, I hear that a lot. Um, my, sort of my advice to a lot of people is, um, you know, they, they, don't, they don't know where to start. They're very overwhelmed. And it's like, just start with one small action. Just start with something. And that one small action leads to something else. And like you say, you know, half an hour, what you can get done, you can, you know, draft a couple of emails, make a couple of phone calls. Mm. Um, and, you know, you feel so, you feel like you've accomplished something, even though it's, you haven't got all the time in the world, but the time mm. that you have got, um, you know, you can really make it work for you. Mm. And, you know, moving forward as women who, um, I guess this is society now, you know, women are working and bringing kids up at the same time. Mm. And we are, you know, got loads of different things going on and whether it's, you know, partners as well, which is something that I wanted to sort of touch on because mm. I know you do kind of give there's quite a lot of articles on, on the website about, you know, husbands and partners and relationships mm. and, do you, I mean, do you see a lot of that being talked about on the, the, the groups that there's, you know, relationship breakdowns once they have children and giving each other, you know, advice about marriage? The thing that we were absolutely staggered by, which, which we always sensed. So we have, to start from scratch, I suppose, what we were able to see conversations happening on the kind of um, public post around confidence. And we were able to look into language that mums use as well. Um, just is, was the most used word on the, on the app. And, this set, and, and if you think about that in context, you know, I'm, I'm just calling, I'm just, just writing to ask if something, something, I'm just, you know, there's this, this, this um, lack of confidence that new mums go through, which cannot be underestimated. And I think that, goes into it's a huge part of why relationships start to break down particularly body confidence as well um people just uh, mums are really struggling with with how their bodies have changed after having kids um so i wish i could draw up the um the survey but we were absolutely staggered i think only 15 percent um of the people that we surveyed said that they they kind of had a love for themselves <laughs> isn't that crazy so if you're feeling, so, so, so to set the context and, and it, it brings back to something you were talking about earlier is having a sense of purpose every day um, makes you feel confident. Quite often for, for women, before they have babies, that comes from their work environment. They're at home all day, despite doing one of the most amazing things in the world, looking after their baby, you don't get that same, same external kind of, um, recognition that, that yeah. you create and uh, and your confidence starts to go down you just you get out of practice of speaking to people you feel you know you, you use the word just a lot I find myself doing I found myself doing it after after having a few months off with Maggie and um, and that must have an impact on almost on apologizing isn't it apologizing yeah. for, 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 for getting in touch with someone apologizing for making a comment um, it's yeah that's fascinating that you noticed that that the, mm. that, that was the language that was going on uh, and, and I totally relate to that because you know after I had my fourth I stayed at home and um, I stopped working for a few years and I saw definitely my confidence ever away and, and that was you know a really big thing for me because I only could um, identify with being a mum beforehand I identified with uh, being a mum and having a career um, and then it was just oh I'm only I'm only at home now I'm only looking after the children people think we've got four kids you know how how do you have time to do anything and for me I couldn't get my confidence from being a mum I had to get that external validation um, and a lot of people don't need that you know there are a lot of mums that are just very happy being at home um, but I can totally relate to, you know, what would be going on on, the, on those forums because mm. you don't feel like anyone's congratulating you on 
tidying the house, <laughs> putting another load of washing on. Um, whereas someone might say, great presentation, you know, great, great speech. Um, so it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I'm going back to what I was saying before about society and, and we are, you know, women are working more and more and we're encouraged to um, go to university and, and have aspirations and ambitions. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I set up the podcast, you know, calling it the ambitious man, because it's almost two different things, lock, logging, locking heads, because, you know, one side you want to be the best mum you can be, but also you're another, you're a person that isn't a parent and you've got loads of other qualities and aspirations and dreams, you know, outside of being a parent. And it's just how we marry the two together in today's society. Which I think what you're doing with Mush and which is why I wanted to have you on is, is kind of almost putting that on a bit of a platform and letting everyone just dip in and dip out where they, where they, where they feel they need that, you know, in that information. Um, yeah. and, and I think also you are, you're normalizing things that maybe you wouldn't have the confidence or you wouldn't be brave enough to, um, to talk about if you hadn't seen someone else bring it up. And, and I know I see that a lot, you know, if you're on Facebook and, you know, on any of the, the mum groups or, and someone asks one question and then you see all the, the answers afterwards going, oh, so glad that you asked that question. I've been wondering that too, or I've been in the same situation. And all of a sudden you've opened this huge can of worms and everyone's giving their, you know, their bit of advice, but, you know, maybe you wouldn't be confident enough to talk about it in another situation. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. Um, it's funny you mentioned Facebook <clears throat> because we, um, there was a, a point at which we thought, you know, is, is Mush doing enough differently? So it's got that way to make friends, but we wondered actually is Facebook groups doing a really good job of, of what we're trying to do at Mush? Are we, are we trying to do something that Facebook's already doing? And what we found was that the levels of um, honesty that you can have on Mush, because it's this safe box, it's this app. It's, it, people talk differently on Mush because you know, suddenly you're not in an environment where your ex-colleagues or your ex-boyfriends or your like mother-in-law are hanging out. You're in this space where you know you can be completely safe. Um, I think it's it's so important to have a place that you can speak openly. Um, and yeah, you're right. And and um, being completely open, not having to put this facade on that everything's going really well, uh, which I think social media is extremely guilty of. Um, Mush, we hope, peels back you know, down to the, to the stuff, down to the, the, the feelings. It's funny that the mental group on, our, on, on Mush is actually the most, um, the most active of the public messaging groups, um, and which I think says something, that everyone is, is, is very aware of, you know, how, how community will make them feel better. And, and checking in, it's, it, you know, the conversation tends to be, anyone else feeling a bit down today? And then you'd get 20 people pile in and say, oh, you know, I'm feeling all right today, but I was feeling a bit blue yesterday. Don't worry, honey, it'll get better, you know? And there's, <laughs> there's just this rallying support. Um, it's, it's so important, so important. Such, such a small thing, so, so special. It's a change, isn't it? Now it's just just change in in way of women knowing that they ha they have to support each other. You know, we've got to have each other's backs because no one's got a perfect life. Perfection doesn't exist, and if you are seeking perfection, it's only going to be you know a downward spiral. And you know this this element of vulnerability that people are now realizing that if you are open and honest and authentic to you know to each other, you get so much more back. Mm -hmm. and um and i think the, the times are definitely changing and you can see that especially you know with what you're doing and um, you're i guess you're on the front line you know you're you're hearing you know today's women who are having their first or second babies and you you know where they're suffering and you know what they're struggling with and um and you know whether it's talking about miscarriage or postnatal depression or um being scared to have sex with your husband again anything like that and the, you know, body, um, body problems, confidence, and anything like that. So it's, it's fascinating because I really hope that you are helping a lot of women 
who maybe 20, 15 years ago wouldn't know where to turn. And uh, I think that hopefully the NHS will start, you know, really pushing this. I know they're, they're beginning to, but I think they're really recognising, okay, now it's, we, we really need to offer this level of support. But also from a perspective of going back to work and employees know, knowing um, how to be speaking to their, uh, sorry, employers knowing how to speak to their employees when they go back. And, and putting plans in place and support in place and um, so it's not just kind of like you know you've finished with your maternity leave and throw you back into into work like nothing happened so you're opening up conversations now aren't you with maybe with people and creating an awareness that um, wasn't out there a few years ago I really hope so I really hope so um M&S actually were they they uh they were offering mush out to their employees as a, as a way to hopefully make you know mums feel supported as they come back to work um i think there's a lot in there's a lot of responsibility on employers to make that transition back to work feel feel like you're not leaving literally dying inside oh my god miserable miserable if you're going back to a job that you, you, you don't enjoy or people are being unreasonable about the time you need to spend there and you're leaving part a part of yourself behind mm. oh my god it just it makes me feel sick i think that's that's the bit about having a company of your own and I just really hope all employers wake up to this one day that you've got you've got to make it work for them you've got to make it work for mums otherwise you're asking them to make an impossible choice and um, and they're losing a huge pool of talent yeah completely you know it's not these these women are essential to businesses and if people don't start changing then they are like you say you know it's they have to make an impossible choice and you'll just lose amazing employees yeah. uh, what what are your plans moving forward i mean did you did you see yourself five years ago where mush mush is now and did you ever envision that you'd be where you are now and i do you, what's what's your vision for the next five years um i'd have uh yeah, I mean, we to, to have had the NHS backing is is something that I'd always dreamed of because um, I think it really adds weight to the importance of, of our role. Um, the the net the plans for Marsh are that we I mean we are going to have to make money one day, <laughs> so that's part of uh, the imminent plans. Partly to keep it you know to keep it going. So we're looking at a variety of ways in which we can do that, uh, either through you know adding. L- an additional service on Mush that mums pay for, um, or the advertising route. What well, it's, it's, we're talking with um, brands who want to provide meetup experiences for mums. So, uh, whilst we don't really want display ads like yeah, especially in Facebook, wouldn't it be lovely if if brands are able to offer kind of an experience or meetups, places where mums can go and meet each other, and mm. it just happens to be you know sponsored by weather so there's there's a number of ways where we can um make some money but it's working on that um because unfortunately apps do cost quite a lot of money to run it turns out i don't think we we did that we just build it launch it and 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 that would be that um but every single little um bit of information that that goes onto the platform costs us a fraction of a penny or whatever it is and 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 we're delighted to say there's tons millions of people um, or millions of posts uh, going backwards and forwards so that means yeah we've got to keep keep the lights on um so it's all about finding a way to make this a sustainable business that was a very long-winded long-winded answer to say that no and i think i think you're just sort of showing a very realistic um side of of what's what happens when you you know you have an idea you launch it and um you know it's not easy and you, you clearly have both been learning on the job you've never set up an app before and it's it is you you just kind of you don't know what's ahead do you when you when you're launching business you've never done before so um i mean congratulations on on doing it and and being and still being there five years later um i i i I normally ask my guests a question i sometimes forget so i'm not forgetting this time and um the question tends to be what would you have liked to have told yourself back when you had your first child 
um, you know, that, that Katie um, that you can see sort of walking out of the hospital and what you, for what you know now, what would you like to tell her? I mean, sticking to theme here, but I mean it, I really mean it. And that is, you are not going to be a celebrity for more than two weeks. People are not going to come visit you after two weeks, <laughs> apart from the, you know, once per week that a mate might come by. You're going to need some mates. And um, they have to be ones that are free at 11 a.m. on a weekday, who you don't have to get in the car to go and see necessarily, that you could just knock on the door um, and, and have a cup of tea with. And, and you know, you've got you've to find them early um, and put it down, don't, don't go through the miserable three months of, of yeah, waking up every day and thinking, oh God, am I, am I, am I depressed? Is this, what, why am I finding, I should, I should be so happy. And yet I, I don't know how to fill my day and I feel, feel a bit empty about it all. So my advice to myself back then was enjoy this moment. You've got a baby, but also, you know, plan ahead for when people aren't visiting you every, every morning and afternoon to see the new baby. You're going to need to find other people when, the fame rubs off. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. Absolutely. It's, it's just so many different elements. And I think, like you say, after like those two weeks, um, and especially I think after the, the two or three weeks, or I guess that after the first month, once the sleep deprivation really kicks in, that's when, and also that's when reality kicks in. Normally your partner's gone back to work and the food stops coming and the novelty's worn off uh, and yeah. you're right it is you need you need that support network around you um so thank you for but on a, on, a more note, on a more positive note i would also tell myself that becoming a mum would be my biggest achievement and the thing that made me absolutely feel complete and and the happiest person in the world so there you go and uh, you wouldn't have known that either when you're kind of in the thick of it in at two months with a two month old you wouldn't necessarily know that one day you know, those kids is going to start telling you things that you didn't know i mean oh for god's sake the stuff that the seven-year-old and five-year-old now talks to me about it's just <laughs> i'm learning so much i'm learning so much it's so sweet and they make me so happy oh that's lovely well thank you very much for your time i really enjoyed this conversation um and i, I feel like um you're both doing a fantastic job and I really wish you um, lots of success with the business because, you know, from a commercial perspective, um, but also just from what you're doing from a community perspective, well, you know, you're helping people and um, you're doing very good things. And um, I hope it continues. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to ask you a very quick question because, um, I've always wondered about TED Talks. And um, did you have to remember the whole thing verbatim? Did you have to learn it line by line? Or do you have auto cue? That's what I've always wanted to ask someone. There was no auto cue. Yeah, so that was, that was line by line. Um, mm -hmm. And as a result, I, I skipped entire paragraphs, which I'm glad <laughs> to I, I thought on the day, you know, you'd be carried by the by, by the audience and you'd be, you know, you, it, it turns out it has the opposite effects. Those bright lights, I went, my mind went blank a few times. But I don't think you can tell, which is amazing. No, no you can't tell. I mean, and do they give you a, t a specific time you've got to be finished in? Yes, they do. They time you. It has to be sub 15 minutes. So, okay. But which we, which we absolutely nailed, even speaking very slowly. We got, we got way under. Um, so, Yeah. And amazing that you did it what a great achievement it was a great it's a real institution the ted talks and i think there's a lot of um inspiring chats out there um i can't believe we were able to do one so that that was yeah as i say a career highlight you know standing on that that red circle and i always i do I, that's i've always wondered about i feel where's the secret auto cue because you can see that they're always looking around the audience think how are they doing it and then it is essentially learning learning your lines like an actor, I guess, and learning how to present it. I'll put the link in the show notes. So thank you very much. And I, I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. All right, Kate. Okay, take care. Thanks, Katie. So that is this week's episode done. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'd love to know if some of the insights resonated with you 
or if there were some takeaways that you're possibly able to apply to your life. I would really love to hear your feedback and perspective on today's conversation as well. Perhaps we talked about a topic that sparks something within you or you have something to offer to the other listeners. Either way, I would love to hear from you. In order to help grow the Ambitious Mum community and allow the podcast to be heard by other people, please do rate, subscribe and share it across your social networks. This will really help with the visibility of a new podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Coaching by Kate and do use the hashtag The Ambitious Mum Podcast so I can find your comments easily. So please do get in touch if you have any more to say. I'll also provide all links to my guests and my contact details on the Ambitious Mum show notes too. See you next week. Thank you.